Hello, and welcome to the IBCD Karen Discipleship Podcast. I'm Craig Marshall, and with me here in the studio is my wife, Darcy Marshall, and then we're also joined by Brian Borgman. So it's great to have both of you with me. Thanks. <laughs> it's great to be with you. Thanks for having great. us. We're here on site at the IBCD Summer Institute, and so one of the privileges we have is getting to talk a little bit with some of the speakers who come through. And um, Brian, what keeps you coming to the IBCD conference, just out of curiosity? Well, it's always, there. there's a few things, really. I mean, one, you see people that you see maybe once or twice a year, so it's great to reconnect with people. It is uh, always instructive, you know, stuff that I've thought about for years, and then you go and listen to somebody's workshop or something, and it gets, um, you know, reinforced, or you get another idea or something. And so, I mean, it's always profitable. I mean, I, I think I've told you before, but this is really, I think, one of the most uh, instructive and, you know, biblically, educationally um, robust conferences that you can go to. Sometimes people in pastoral ministry don't take, they don't see shepherding and counseling as a very key component of pastoring. And how, in in knowing you over the years, it seems like you and your church take that very seriously. Where did that come from in your own um, just walk as a pastor? I think that I could probably trace some of it back to uh, seminary days in the early 90s. Uh, reading things like Richard Baxter, the Reformed pastor, or, you know, hearing uh, Reformed pastors talk about shepherding the flock of God. Um, there was a weight to it that that I wasn't getting in sort of typical evangelicalism, which I'd kind of come out of. But I was hearing people talk about the weightiness of not only preaching, not only worship, but shepherding the flock of God. And those things really stuck with me. And so when we had the opportunity to plant Grace Community Church, so 20, 24 years ago now, those were things that I believed were vital in, in implementing. And I knew that they would be countercultural. But I knew that if we were to have a biblical church, that uh, shepherding the flock, counseling, you know, along with obviously preaching the whole counsel of God, those would have to be the vital components of of planting a church. Your uh, workshop that you did for us was entitled Save the Saints. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was about and why you thought of that as a topic? Sure. I mean, it actually goes back to the, the question you just asked me. So Save the Saints actually stole the title, um, and I gave credit. John Piper, in his book, Brothers Were Not Professionals, has a chapter called Brothers Save the Saints. And there's a, there's a perspective on the ministry of the Word, which, of course, is going to be preaching but also counseling, that looks at um, the ministry of the Word as keeping people in the race, helping people persevere. These are, these are means that God has appointed for us to use. And so in one sense, you know, we can talk about the fact that I have been saved. That's, you know, we can speak in terms of justification and things that are, that are completed. 
But there's also a sense in which perseverance is a necessity. I have to finish the race. And the way that God's sovereignty and my responsibility work together in perseverance may have an element of mystery, but the Bible is, I think, unambiguous about uh, the responsibility that believers have to finish the race. But that also means that we have a responsibility to help each other. And so I took James 5, 19 and 20 as the text. So save the saints, sort of an exhortation to rescue the wandering, which is, of course, the conference theme. So, How has that been for you in pastoral ministry, just in seeing the wandering and having the weightiness of that exhortation? How do you um, just deal with that in the day-to-day life? Yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes pastoral ministry more challenging, and it makes it harder. But, I mean, if you really believe that people's souls are at stake, if you really believe in the implications of eternity, then then you can't just sort of approach ministry as, you know, well, you know, it's none of my business or, you know, they're going to heaven anyway or whatever we might say. Um, it puts an urgency into, into ministry. You know, so the, the Puritan Thomas Watson, for instance, said, every sermon you hear takes you either one step closer to heaven or one step closer to hell. And, you know, when you think about what happens Lord's Day by Lord's Day and the fact that that conversation or that sermon or, you know, that counseling session through the week, that may be what God uses to keep that person in the race. That puts a weight to it that is really almost indescribable. So with that weightiness that you mentioned, there has to be a balance then, because I, I just envision you then, there's an intensity, right, in meeting with somebody who's hurting, but there's also the work of the Spirit. How do you kind of balance not thinking this is your one shot, you know, to keep this person? Yeah, it is, it is sort of an interesting thing to think about when we know on the one hand that God's absolutely sovereign. I mean, I believe that. I, I, I hold wholeheartedly to, you know, the doctrine of God's absolute sovereignty. So when I go in, whether it's preaching a sermon or talking to somebody, there's a, a tremendous sense of utter dependence upon God alone who can change a heart and so forth, which is what compels us to pray, right? Um, but on the other hand, as, and I mentioned this in the session, a lot of times the New Testament is not nearly as precise in its language as we are. So Paul says, I become all things to all men in order that I might save some. Well, we know that Paul never saved anybody, but he uses language like that. You know, he tells Timothy, watch your life, your doctrine, for in so doing, you will save yourself and those who hear you. So there's, there's an emphasis on the instrument as if the instrument was the thing, all right? And I think the New Testament uses language like that to really impress upon us the importance. So on the one hand, I want to go into any given situation with an utter dependence upon God, knowing that He alone is the one that can change the heart. But I also want to go in knowing that um, that I may be God's appointed means at that point in time to effect a change. 
And so holding those things together is important. The fact that we maybe can't harmonize them as neatly as we'd like is okay with me. You've talked about that through the lens of as a minister, as a pastor. One of the, the beauties to me of IBCD and biblical counseling is seeing, you know, there's there's word ministry and trusted to ministers, but there's also a one another word ministry. Yes. Um, and the, the, so this, this urgency that we feel as ministers in saving the saints, how does that then tease out into ordinary believers' lives? Um, and does it look the same, would you say? Yeah, I well, I mean, ideally, I think it should look the same. Yeah. And I think it should look the same because of passages like James 5, 19 and 20, where it's, you know, if anyone turns a sinner from the error of his ways, let him know that he has saved his soul from death and covered a multitude of sins. I mean, that is, it's anyone. It's not just pastors. And so I think that pastors model this and then hopefully it becomes contagious. Um, That's that's sort of how biblical leadership kind of works anyway, right? You sort of model these things. Um, I remember uh, we had the Gettys at at our church a year ago and he, uh, Keith Getty said, churches that worship vibrantly have pastors that worship vibrantly, something to that effect, right? And I, and I think that the, the, the undergirding truth there is that um, people see these things in action and then they emulate those things. And so I would, I would love it if, if everybody at church just thought, you know what, I am my brother's keeper. So you seek to model that and, and teach that. Right. And IBCD role, plays a role in that, in, in helping equip them, giving them more of a sense of confidence that, that they actually are equipped to help people. Are there any passages that you have been going to recently in helping other people um, that, that you've just found really helpful and um, effective with them and ministering to your own soul? Hmm. And if so, would you walk us through one of them? <laughs> Well, sort of in line with what what we've been talking about, the role of perseverance ends up being really an important thing, right? So a lot of times when we're counseling people, we are counseling for different reasons, you know. So if you're counseling a grieving widow that just lost her husband, I don't think that you have this sense of urgency of, She's going to stop running the race. You're, you're going to bring words of consolation to her. You're going to bring, bring passages that are comforting. Um, but I will say that one thing that has been uh, sort of a, a major theme in, in counseling for me more recently has been using uh, the warnings in Scripture. And, of course, the warnings are for people that are really intending on quitting the race. And I, I, I have a view of the warnings um, that the warnings are designed to keep us running. Uh, we should take the warnings and the threats seriously. Um, they're not idle threats, um, but I don't mean by that I think that you can lose your salvation. I do mean that 
that the warnings and the threats um, cause those who truly belong to the Lord to consider their their actions. And one that I actually have been using regularly, and you have to, I don't have the right translation with me, but this will do. It's not my new American standard. You can probably edit this part. It's the ESV. Anyway, um, it's eleven Romans 11.22, and it says, Note then, or the NAS, Behold then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And I think that the, the church, by and large, we don't know really how to handle warning passages. So we see those, and we see those conditions, and they freak us out a little bit. And so we may not employ them in counseling. But just recently, we had a situation where a, a spouse was committed to leaving their marriage. And it was one of those, I don't, I'm not in love anymore. I mean, all the things that this person would have scoffed at if somebody would have said it to them a year ago. Somebody would have come to this person and said, hey, I'm going to leave my marriage because I don't love my spouse anymore. They'd have said, are you crazy? Well, now this person was saying these kinds of things. I'm going to leave. I know it's wrong, but I'm. this is what I want to do. And so in talking with this person, I just walked them through uh, Romans eleven twenty two, uh, texted it to them a few times as well, um, just as a reminder, and basically saying, you know, look, um, God's kindness is promised to those who continue in His kindness, and if you're going to rebel against this, here's here's the threat: God promises severity. And I don't know what that looks like, but I know that it should be scary. And so you have to understand that if you make this decision, there are implications. Um, another text that I do like to use is uh, Psalm 16.4, um, that those who have bartered for another God will increase their sorrows. And uh, just, just a passage that underscores the the consequences of making sinful decisions and in abandoning God's ways. I think we live in a, a time where words of warning are seen as unloving, probably. So it's probably paradigm shifting to have people <laughs> hearing this as love. Or mm-hmm. How do you reassure people that, that that's a loving thing that you're seeking to do? Yeah, I mean, we we use illustrations sometimes that I think are helpful. So, uh, you know, as you well know, two years ago I had a brain tumor. Still showed up at IBCD, by the way. <laughs> Pictures of your scar are still <laughs> Just, like dripping with blood. Yeah, so. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but if if I would have gone to the surgeon and he would have said, you know what, um, I know the MRI looks scary, but it's really not that bad. I think you'll be okay. Well, that would have been incredibly unloving, all right? But he in, instead just bluntly said, well, here's this thing growing in your head that's wrapped around, and then he showed me what he would do with a model skull, and it absolutely made me sick to my stomach. 
But I'm thinking to myself, he's telling me what is going to save my life. And, you know, I think biblical warnings are sort of like that. Um, this is the outcome if you choose this path. And it should be scary. And the reason that I'm telling you this is because not only do I not want you to go down that road, but I can guarantee you that God doesn't want you to go down that road because he loves you. And he wants you to live a life for his glory and for your good and for your ultimate joy. And you are squandering that. And if I didn't tell you, I wouldn't be loving this was supposed to be the nice, light, fun podcast with Brian Borgman. So no, <laughs> these are weighty things, but really great to think about. Um, as you're talking about warning other people in love, sometimes you probably see them respond and turn, and sometimes you probably see them continue down that path. And um, boy, if you really love them, it's all the more hurtful. Are you ever tempted to to not care so much and or to how do you deal with the discouragement in watching um, people not heed warnings and respond to the love you're trying to show them? Honestly, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. How do you how do you navigate that? Because it is it is easy. It would be easy for me. Let me just say that it'd be easy for me to just write that person off. I think that I'm the kind of person that I could do that. I also know that I'm the kind of person that could lose sleep and have knots in my stomach and just be a basket case, you know, and we've had some incredible heartbreaks over the years as, you know, so many have. And uh, Dave Harvey actually said something this morning in his workshop. You go to the gospel, and you keep your legs under you, and you keep running. Something like that, right? And I think that there really is a there's a balance between you you love these people, and you pour yourself out for them. I think that you see this modeled with Paul and the Corinthians. Uh, the older I get, Second Corinthians becomes more and more and more of a favorite book of mine because Paul's dealing with a congregation that at that point it seems that uh, at least a large pocket of them had rejected him. And I think that when you look at people that have abandoned the race, um, the Demases, you know, who have deserted me and so forth, you have to keep in mind that um, that your calling is is not contingent on the success. At the end of the day, God is not going to grade me by you know, hey, you had a ninety eight percent success rate or whatever. Um, I will be judged according to faithfulness. And so I think a strong sense of calling so that giving up is not an option. It's like getting married, you know. Divorce is not an option, right? Murder maybe, divorce never. Um, you know, it's the same thing in pastoral ministry. 
you know, giving up, never. Murder, maybe, no. <laughs> but just that sense of calling. This is where, where God has me, and it's really painful right now, and there's nothing I can do about that except just go to Him. And different pastors are going to handle those kinds of discouragements differently. I would just encourage any pastor to, on the one hand, care enough so that it so that it does hurt, but don't let it cripple you, you know? And at the end of the day, there's still other sheep that need to be taken care of, and you can't lose focus on that. So that kind of keeps me going. Brian, it's been great to have you with us. It's always a pleasure to have you at our conferences, whether attending or speaking. And uh, we also appreciate your writings, your pastoral heart, your uh, the way you use the word and encourage your people uh, to be built up in it and care for one another. So always a privilege. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the IBCD podcast. While we aim to provide these resources for free, there are always ongoing costs to produce and distribute the material. If you've benefited from our resource library, we ask that you consider supporting IBCD financially. Even the smallest gift helps to maintain and grow our library. Find out how to support IBCD at ibcd.org slash donate. That's ibcd.org slash donate.